gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I am proud to bring to you the current reigning, defending, greatest podcast in the world, the greatest tag team in professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the infamous opinionist, D.H. Awesome. The Super Kick Party! Wow, you know, this week we had Usos, now the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Championships of all time. Shotzi is the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Soraya is 100% cleared, I don't know how. The 24-7 Championship is fucking dead. And the Money in the Bank briefcase means fucking nothing. Welcome to a new Jack shit. Welcome to Jack a new shit. edition of Super Kick Party. I am Super DH Awesome. Party. He is my tag team partner, infamous opinionist. What is going on this week? How you doing, buddy? I'll apologize week over week that my TikTok handle is so hard to pronounce. Um, you have my condolences. I when I made when I made that name, I did not think I was going to blow up. I just I was trying to be clever, and then I blew up, and I was like, "Well, shit!" Now I'm stuck with that now. Um, so, I, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. Like you said, wrestling wise, it's been a. I feel like I'm going insane. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah, I don't no, even right. know how we're going to fit it all into, you know, one hour. But we're sure as hell going to try. So. Let's do it up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's 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 uh, start with last night. I mean, with with SmackDown. I mean, that was the most recent. That's the most fresh in our mind. And even then, Raw wasn't that spectacular this week. Um, hell, NXT had more stuff going on with it this week. And um, other than. And we're rarely going to ever talk AEW unless something spectacular happens. The only thing that happened on AEW this week was um, Soraya is 100% cleared. But last night was interesting. SmackDown had... It started off with a bang. Because that that match between uh, the Usos and New Day was phenomenal. It wasn't like... WrestleMania pay-per-view quality amazing, but it was but it was good. like SummerSlam pay-per-view quality. It was, like it was damn good, really. And, and and that's the thing is that there's there's a few combinations um, left in the wrestling business today that if you throw those, if you just look at them and you say if you throw those guys together, they're they're probably gonna have a banger. Um, yeah. And the USO, as soon as I found out last week that the Usos and the New Day were having a match. I was like, well, gotta watch now. Like doesn't matter what I'm doing, doesn't matter where I am. Yep. The Usos and the New Day are having a match. I gotta go watch it. And it did not disappoint. So good. Yeah, I mean that is let's let's let me in my perspective, that rivalry is the edge John Cena. That is, you know, um Michigan versus Ohio State. That is uh, USC Notre Dame. That is, you know, the Packers versus the Vikings type level rivalry. You know what I'm saying? That's where that yep. is for me, and it's so much fun to watch them. And I didn't realize it last night, but Michael Cole said that as of last night, those 
teams, between the two teams, they've changed championships four times. But that's on top of however many different times they've already wrestled. So it's like, wow, that's a lot of, you know, back and forth. It was two and two for each time they've won the championship from each other. Yeah. And uh, they've just, they've, they've put on banger after banger after banger, you know, over and over and over again. It's been great. Uh, It's for the last, I don't, I'm trying to put a number on this. I'm going to say since probably since the last time that the Hardys, the Dudleys, and uh, Edge and Christian got together, whenever that was, uh, shit, we haven't really seen a rivalry between tag teams that equals something like an Orton versus a Cena or a Lita versus a Trish or anything like that, um, a Roman versus a Brock to, to put it in modern day parliaments, but. The Usos and the New Day in tag team parliaments might be the closest thing that we have to that sort of legendary sort of rivalry. That sort of rivalry that the network is going to put out an hour-long special on when oh, both yeah. teams retire, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and, and by the way, not, not to segue too far off course, but while we're on the subject of Michael Cole, how much more comfortable does Michael Cole sound he does. since Vince McMahon left? Like... Michael Cole went from someone that most people on the internet were calling the worst announcer, like they the Wrestling Observer, like which I've got my thoughts on the Wrestling Observer newsletter, whatever. But the Wrestling Observer newsletter voted Cole like the worst announcer, like four years running. Yeah, and he sounds so much more comfortable. He sounds like he's having so much more fun. He made references to New Japan. He made references to wrestlers that are on fucking Impact. He, it just sounds like Michael Cole is not scared anymore. No, he's not. And those matches, to bring it back to Kofi versus, um, or the New Day versus the Usos, the 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 level of skill and finesse on the announce team from SmackDown to Raw right now mm-hmm. is just night and day. It sounds like you're listening to two separate brands. It doesn't even sound like Michael Cole works for the same company as Kevin Patrick does. And Corey Graves is doing what he can on Raw, but Kevin Patrick is so green. Um, yeah, he so, is. And yeah, and I think Michael Cole added to the Usos and the New Day with the calls that he was making. So uh, props to Michael yeah. Cole, man. Oh, I agree. Um, definite props to Michael Cole. Um, he is something special. I mean, and he didn't just make references to... Um, New Japan. He made a reference to a New Japan Championship and the Bullet Club. Yeah, and that is where the difference comes in. I mean, it it's not like he just said, "Oh, you know, former, you know, NW cheap, you know, NW, you know, whatever." Um, and he just no, he straight up said, "You know, Carl Anderson is you know this, and you know he's the Neverweight you know champion." Like, wow, that is interesting. That yeah. I don't think outside of huh, when was it? It was during the ECW slash NWA invasion back in the late nineties, where they actually referenced other championships that they were currently carrying. Right, and and that is only and now I. 99% of the people that follow and that listen to this are be like, well, that's because no, they don't ever, they can't work for anybody else, so they can't carry him. Correct. However, this is the first time since that's happened that somebody's been carrying a championship 
you know, in a circumstances like this, and they acknowledge it on top of that. So it was like the first time they've ever done it since then, because that's the only time they could have acknowledged it, number one. But then number two, they didn't have to at all. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's, it's interesting. And certain Vince McMahon apologists may point out that, hey, you know, Mickey James is in the Royal Rumble, and they, they called out that she was the Impact Women's Champion. And I would say, yes, that's true. I was there live. Trust me, I know. It was amazing. But notice how WWE did that in a controlled environment. It was in their Rumble. It was a one-off. On their, it was a one-off. It was in their PLE. She didn't eliminate anybody big from the Rumble. She was in, she was out, and then Vince McMahon could throw up his hand and say, hey, look at me, I'm just like AEW, I'm opening the Forbidden Door. But then between that happened in January and the time that Vince left, what the hell else did he do? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And Triple H, not only is he allowing Michael Cole to make these references online, which now makes WWE feel like it's taking place here on Earth and not on some isolated planet a million miles away from everything else, He's sending Shinsuke to Japan to wrestle Muta oh in an event that WWE doesn't sponsor, yep. that they have almost no control over, and they are loaning Shinsuke to – and not only that, but they're hyping it up. They're not hiding it. They're not brushing it under the rug. They're not saying, hey, yeah, Shinsuke, don't do this, but this is not WWE canon. Michael Cole, the first thing out of his mouth last night was, hey, here's Shinsuke. He's getting ready to face off against um, – in the World Cup, and oh, by the way, you can catch Shinsuke on this Japan event and, and the retirement tour for. And it was just, it, it again, it's just refreshing and exciting um, to see WWE not hiding from the rest of the world now. It's just really cool. It really is. And speaking of Nakamura, I man, that match was not a match I ever expected to want in my life. You know, him and Santos Escobar. Put on a great match. Yep, they did. Um, and notice all of these fresh matchups we're already getting. You know, Bray and LA Knight tease last night. That LA Knight, if, if you had given me five guesses to guess who Bray Wyatt's first opponent was going to be, LA Knight wouldn't have been in probably my top 10 guesses. But here we are. Um, which only, which I, I want to get into that. Um, because I've been stewing over that all night long. Um, that is an interesting situation. What the hell is going on here? Because, you know, I do read dirt sheets. I read dirt sheets because I think they're funny. And, right. I, and I like to see how wrong they are. Right. Um, and I only go to one page for mine, and it's Wrestling Inc., um, because they don't do a lot of spoilery stuff. They just do a lot of backstage stories. And I do right. do appreciate that. And I do think Wrestling Inc., and I'll give them huge props. I do think Wrestling Inc., you know, is pretty good about what they do. And when they do quote that asshole Brian Alvarez or Meltzer, they do say, take <laughs> this with a grain of salt. You know what I'm saying? Right. They are very, very, you know, like that. So I do appreciate Wrestling Inc. And if you guys do not, you know, I definitely take a look at them. They don't do a lot of spoilery stuff. Um, they just talk a lot about backstage stories and, you know, they gather yeah. up the best interviews across the, you know, the web and so on and so forth. They do a really good job with that. But anyway, one of the things that they did harp on as far as rumors go was what they're doing with the, the Wyatt six. Um, and what the whole meaning of this whole thing is. And it's, one of the things that I've been kind of curious to see if it was going to be like, 
well, are they going to have Ramblin' Rabbit? Are they going to have, you know, Mercy Buzzard and sort of, sort of, as actual characters? That was a rumor at first. Um, one of them was like Grayson right. Waller was going to end up being Mercy Buzzard because it was because yeah. people were like speculating. Yeah. Oh, Eric like, Rowan was the name. Yeah, yeah, Eric Rowan and even um, uh, Bo Dallas was rumored to play the Fiend. Yeah. Um, but at the same time. They're saying that it's possible that we're going to see a whole bunch of different characters, including, you know, Uncle Howdy, that are just versions of Bray's personality coming to life. Which I think are mu is much more interesting, by it the is. way. Not to interrupt your point. but No, it is. And I've been curious about, like, how they're going to proceed with it. Like, are they going to do some massive, you know, first story, here it comes, and, you know, he's... No, I don't think that's going to be the situation. And I think with what happened last night with L.A. Knight kind of proves to that, that the big story is not going to be, oh, him feuding with L.A. Knight, which would be a great, it's going to be very cool contrasting styles. But that's not right. the story. The story is what's going on in Bray's head. And I think that is the better, yeah. like you just said. I like how they have... Um sort of escalated the threat level. Yeah. Yeah, like I was disagreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, that's... Sorry, I think we had a little bit of a, of a cutoff there, delay. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 it's fine. Because I, I, I was agreeing with you yeah. that um, I think that's a better way to go with, with what's inside his head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, but... What what I what I was trying to get out was um, I like how they're escalating the threat level. Like it started out with with just Bray, and then they had sort of a, a mysterious audio that Bray didn't really acknowledge, and then they had Bray acknowledging the audio, and then they showed Mister Howdy's face, and then they showed the the stuff the garbled screen showing up uh, behind, and no one paid attention to it, and then the garbled stuff showed up behind Alexa, and everyone did pay attention to it. And now you've got the garbled stuff behind Ally Knight and Bray Wyatt is right there with it. So it's like every week they are, it's like they started out with Bray Wyatt way out on the right and all the other stuff way out on the left. And week over week, they are slowly bringing those two things together. And I think eventually we're going to see kind of Bray Wyatt and, you know, Uncle Howdy or, or whatever kind of become that one person like you were saying earlier. So it, it's it's a really smart, effective, almost like a long-term horror movie that's playing out over a series of several weeks because you've got this this minor threat that you're like, well, you know, that, that could be something, but maybe it's nothing. And it's building week over week over week. And eventually I think we're going to see Bray completely give in to this Uncle Howdy phenomenon, whatever's going on. And that's where the real Bray Wyatt is really going to start kind of popping out. So... This this long term horror movie um, build up that they're doing is just a brilliant way to to build tension, and it's making me kind of get more and more interested in the Bray Wyatt character as the week goes on. Yeah, I um, one hundred percent agree with you on that. Because um, a lot of people were afraid when Bray came back that they were automatically going to throw him back into the world title scene or automatically throw him back into a title. Um, situation, which right. doesn't look like they're doing, which is, I'm thankful right. they're not. Um, yep. But I, I'm curious to see how it goes, because right now I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, this past week 
well, we, we took last week off because we had some personal stuff going on. Um, right. But, you know, so it's already our second episode. So we've had two weeks of interesting programming since then. But these past two weeks, outside of, you know, a few things that we'll talk about today, I'm kind of disappointed with Triple H. Because um, number, you know, the fifth thing that I mentioned today as a joke was the fact that, you know, the money in the bank means nothing. But on top of that, which we'll get into here in a little bit, the the fact that what he did with the women's title over the last week and a half, which was kind of really weird as well, you know, I, I'm I'm glad to see certain storylines, you know, coming to fruition in a good way, like um, Judgment Day. Holy shit! Finally, Judgment Day is like a uh, is a massive, a great thing that they're doing. And that's my opinion. I'm not sure about you. I haven't really seen you have your recent take on them. But I think that's finally coming to uh, you know, fruition. I love what they're doing with Sami Zayn. Um, I love what they're doing with Bray Wyatt. You know, that's phenomenal. I love what they're doing with Guntar. You know, there's so much good stuff going on there. Yeah. But then there's... So it's like I see all these things that are giving me hope, especially, excuse me, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. But then I see what they did with... Even though I can't stand the man, and I and I don't want him to ever be the face of the company, what the hell is going on with Austin Theory and that shit? Yeah, Austin is one of a couple of people that, you know, here's the thing, and it's an uncomfortable conversation to have, kind of. It's, it's not, you know, it's not offensive in nature or whatever, but my point is Vince McMahon just had these guys that he just didn't get, right? And he caught a lot of flack for it because a lot of the times the guys that Vince McMahon didn't get were were indie darlings and fan favorites, Correct. right? That yep. everyone wanted to see push. Cesaro was one of those guys. Vince tried and tried with Cesaro. He just couldn't make it work because he didn't get it. Triple H and anyone, by the way, who stepped into that position, no matter who it was, was going to have that same type of character, wrestler, or whatever that he just doesn't know what to do with. You think about the guys that completely disappeared or moved on. Veer Mahan is back on NXT. They teased him, um, what, Indy Share or whatever his tag team was with the other guy, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Yeah. But yeah. they came out and threatened the Creed brothers on NXT this week. So now it looks like they're back together. Yep. Um, Austin Theory is just, it seemed like the week that Vince McMahon left, the light switch on Austin Theory just shut off because Triple H doesn't apparently, again, I can only go by the decisions that Triple H is making on screen, but the decisions that he's making on screen are screaming at me as someone with just common sense yes. and, a, and a baseline wrestling knowledge that Triple H doesn't see the same things in Austin Theory that Vince McMahon did. Now, to be fair, though, at one point, um, Austin Theory was, you know being groomed in NXT for some good stuff, and you could see it. But then something happened. I don't know what happened, but he did something wrong. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he yeah. became this comedic character second to Johnny Gargano. But then he gets repackaged on Raw as a, you know, um, oh, God, what the hell? I can't even think of his name, and I loved him so damn much. Um, uh uh, 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 Tyler Breeze, he's a repackage as a Tyler Breeze, you know, ripoff, 
with the damn right. cell phone. You know, yeah, great. He's not a supermodel trying to be, but he, he's right. Tyler Breeze minus the, the the supermodel look. You know what I'm saying? And um, <laughs> I don't know what the hell. It's just like, oh, but thank God they got the, the briefcase off, off of him. However, it's now two years in a row. Last year with Otis, and now this year with, with Austin Theory, that the person who won the briefcase did not win the championship. And now it let means me nothing. Go, let me go back, because this, this is a, a pedestal I can get on. Give me just a second. Okay. I'm, I'm looking this up in the moment. Um, I'm looking this up in the moment, because it, it's just something we kind of naturally went into. Let me go back... And look at all. Let's start with the women's money and the bank winners. Um, ha, so I'm going to name the 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 money in the bank winners for the women, and then how long they held the briefcase. Liv Morgan, one hour and forty five minutes. Nikki Ash, a day. Oscar, a day, and didn't even cash it in. She was handed the title. Correct. Bailey, an hour and twenty five minutes. Alexa Bliss, two hours and fifty two minutes. Carmella held it for two hundred eighty seven days, and then ever since then. You drop a quarter on the ground, and the women's money in the bank briefcase has already been handled. Where's the drama? Where's the suspense? Where's anything? Correct. Men's money in the bank winners. Theory held it for 128 days, cashed in, and lost. Big E, you could say, was a fairly successful uh, run. He held it for two months, cashed in, and won, held the title for a good bit. So yep. we'll give Big E a pass. The Miz won it from Otis, was a transitional champion. Otis won it, lost it. Brock Lesnar, what the fuck was that? Braun Strowman, what the fuck was that? Yep. Baron Corbin lost after two months. Dean Ambrose held it for 57 minutes. Sheamus was basically just a, a booking tool to get Roman Reigns over. Yep. And then we have the last, what I consider truly successful money in the bank run, Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins. in 2014. Yep. So we have had eight years since we have had what I would consider an interesting, fulfilling Money in the bank run, if you don't include Big E. But again, Big E was kind of in an awkward position at that time. And the women's money in the bank has had one. One effective, suspenseful, su successful money in the bank run. So I, I guess, Derek, the question is, a lot of people are are asking, do we move the money in the bank to WrestleMania? Well, the I'm asking, how the hell is that going to solve the problem with the money in the bank? My question is, is it time to get rid of it completely? No, I don't think so. Because I think Triple H can bring it back to its its greatness. Because let's think back to before 2014. Let's think back to the last time that it was fantastic. You know, Seth Rollins running in, making a triple threat, boom, wins it, stole it, pisses off the entire... Because, like, from if, if the rumors are true, the stories are true, nobody knew outside of the, the four of them. Um, including Vince McMahon, what was going to happen. So, like, the whole NOE, you know, family was pissed off that it was supposed to be Roman's night, and all of a sudden Seth stole it from him. So, um, and then before that, we had fantastic caches like Edge and um, The Miz and Dolph Ziggler, which was probably one of the CM biggest Punk. pox. Yeah. Miz. Yeah. yeah. CM Punk. Some yep. great, amazing caches. Um that were surprises. And then we had some not so big surprises that were just as big as pops, like RVD beating John Cena at one night stand too. you know, um, some amazing stuff with it. And I think triple H can bring it back. I really, truly do. 
Um, but I'm curious to see what he does with it. Um, because it, it, it could go either way. Um, but I don't think it's time to get rid of it. I think it's been watered down. Um, and obviously, obviously it's a good thing because AEW stole it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So obviously, you know, and they, they stole the idea and now they have their chip. Um, so it's obviously a good idea. It's just a matter of can we bring it back to the greatness that it once was? Did uh, and this is just a question again. Show's completely organic. <laughs> yeah. Did was TNA's feast or fire briefcase before or after Money in the Bank? Did WWE Ooh. steal it from TNA or did TNA steal it from WWE? God, you're asking me I, to think a long time ago. I'm 41 years old, man. I don't have a brain of a 20 year old anymore. <laughs> um, I'm, that's a good question. I think it was around the same time. I'm going back to Google because there's the, any any list that you look for, it's there. Yeah. Feast or Fired briefcase. Um, so go to Wikipedia. Uh, matches. Turning Point, December 2007 was the first Feast or Fired. So 2007. Match. So yeah, yeah, it was before. So Money in the Bank was before that. Yeah. Because so so Money in the at, Bank was kind of the original. Yeah. Because yeah. I was at WrestleMania in Chicago and watched RVD win it there. Yeah. Man. I shouldn't have even needed to ask that. I mean, TNA in the 2000s, literally, that they stole. They stole the Daniel Bryan story. They stole the briefcase. They stole everything. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm not Can really I be surprised by that. There? Real quick, and yeah. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but uh, I just want to piss some people off. TNA in the 2000s, you know, back in the day when they were still recording at, you know, Universal Studios, I would go there regularly because I lived in Orlando at the time. TNA in the 2000s was better than AEW now. I don't, I, I don't wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wholeheartedly disagree. Let's, let's leave it at that. That's a conversation. We'll just leave it at that. Another day. Yeah. <laughs> But even so, even as good as they were, that was only because of the talent that they had. Yeah, um, it wasn't the decision making. Jesse Carter, Jeff. It's got nothing to do with the decision making. If yeah. if they had had any level less talent, TNA wouldn't have lasted as long as they did. I agree. So. I agree, but I digress there. Um, yeah. But, so getting back on track, just yes. to transition us into the next point. Who knows what's going to happen next with Austin Theory? Um, I don't anticipate it being anything big. Because if it was going to be anything big, he would have just held on to the briefcase, right? Yeah. It, it, so, well, the and we didn't even talk. Listen, we didn't even talk about the fact that not only did he cash in and lose, he cashed in on the United States Championship. I was like, I get, I get that theory. Right, was the perennial loser that he was scared of Roman Reigns. That completely makes sense for his character. Correct. That he is an opportunist again. Completely makes sense for his character. But if you are a professional wrestler. And if, if WWE are to be believed, and the goal for every professional wrestler at any level is to main event WrestleMania. Yep. Why in the hell would you not just wait until WrestleMania for the main event match to be made and then cash in? Even in character, even if you lose that match, yeah, you just main evented WrestleMania. Correct. What it it just made not only does it make Theory look like a loser. It makes him look like a complete idiot. Well, add that, what you just said, onto the fact that in that same night, 
there were two open challenges. <laughs> and he didn't take either open challenge. He waited until after the open challenges and then still loses. <laughs> yeah. oh, what the God. hell was that? <laughs> Yeah, man. So a, a lot of work to do with the money in the bank, a lot of work to do with theory, and I guess we're just going to have to see what happens. And I think a lot of work to be done still with Triple H. Because I think, I don't know, I'm curious about what, what the thought behind that was. Let's go ahead and have him waste his money in the bank championship after, you know, he could have just called in, you know, just shown up for one of the, you know, open challenges. But it makes him look stupid number one yeah but even like it it makes them and to everybody out there who listens to the show i can do this you cannot in some cases because if you're just a smart or you know a mark whatever you can't go around saying well that made him look weak yeah this made him look weak it did Mm -hmm. um as someone who used to work that made him look weak because not only did he – here's the logic behind it. He took he didn't take an opportunity to face a man one-on-one, which is fine for a heel. Yep. But he didn't take the opportunity to face a man one-on-one. A man who fought twice in open challenges still beat him. So not only does he look stupid that he didn't you know use an opportunity for a one-on-one, he couldn't even beat a man that law lo- that just got done wrestling a couple times. I, I yeah. So yeah. that's that's just me. I think that was that was in poor taste, and I do not understand the logic behind that at all. But at the same time, it's still new. Maybe we're gonna get a whole. Maybe that's the intent. Maybe Triple H wants us to completely think he's weak. Right. Excuse me. Maybe Triple H wants us to think that he's stupid, and maybe he's going to go back down to NXT. Maybe he's going to go away for a little bit, and he's going to come back. You know, super theory. Who knows? Um, so, I, but I, he's. Are, but I. I would say this just on that small point. And again, I know we're belaboring the theory point here. He's already gone back to NXT once. He did. I don't think you can send him back to NXT again. No, he needs to go away and then come back, or he has to have a yeah. Baron Cor- Baron Corbin's type story, yeah. where he is down and just he, he just completely changes. So yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with that. Um, but well, you know, it, it is what it is. So that's that's most of the big stories. But I want to get your opinion on this. We briefly mentioned it earlier, and again. Derek and I, we give AEW grief, right? But there, there's a lot of good things that do happen in AEW. But there, there was just so much notable stuff that happened in WWE this week that we're not going to have a lot of time to talk about AEW. But the one thing I do want to get your opinion on, and I'm going to phrase this question to you as I've seen it presented on TikTok, which obviously is where my platform is. Um, Soraya announced she was cleared Correct. to compete. Yes. She is obviously has the match coming up against Britt Baker. Yep. Do you think, and I don't know how else to phrase this besides being completely blunt about it, so I'm just going to lay it out there. Not saying that I believe this, just trying to get your opinion on it. Do you think there is any possibility that AEW maybe not cut some corners or 
maybe got their own doctor or maybe inflated the medical report a little bit? Do you think there's any of that that might possibly be going on here? That is deep. Um, I'm going to say no. If it was anybody else, I would I would agree with you. But the last time she was in a ring was at a house show, and she was kicked from behind by Sasha Banks, and she rebroke her neck. Um, I do not believe that she, not AEW, she would put herself in that position again. And let me tell you why. Number one. She's not that stupid. Um, she's been in this business a long, long time, and she wants to have a fruitful career outside of WWE to show that she can, number one. But then number two, I don't think she wants to live her life in agony or paralyze the rest of her life to where she would put herself in that position. There are some right. people out there that would definitely 100%. Now, most people are going to sit there and say, oh, nobody would want to put themselves in that position. You don't understand the minds of wrestlers. Some people would. The minds of athletes in general. Look yes. how many players in the NFL put themselves out on the field knowing that they're hurt. Correct. Because they know if I miss a week, they're going to replace me next week. Exactly. So some of them just wouldn't care. I do not believe that about Soraya. Um, and and this is gonna, this is kind of a serious but joking thing at the same time. Knowing who her boyfriend slash fiance is. I don't think that he would take care of her. <laughs> so um, I don't think that would, I don't think she wants to be putting herself in that situation. Um, right. And anyone that's a metal rock fan knows that Ronnie Radke's an asshole. So, you know, that's just how it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I'm kidding. I, I don't know. I don't think Ronnie Radke would do that. That's why I said it was a serious <laughs> joking thing. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that much of an asshole. Um, I've talked about him enough on the dark side of music, but uh, anyway, I don't think she would do that. I don't think she would do that. Yeah. And I want to be clear too. I'm, I certainly am not making accusations against Soraya or AEW, right? Definitely, definitely not. Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not in the boardroom. I, I wasn't there in, in the medical examinations, obviously. I'm just saying, obviously, there's a phrase that, that you hear on, you know, like shows like NFL Live on ESPN all the time where they're talking about you got to protect the player from the player. Yeah. And I, again, I just hope that Soraya didn't go to AEW and say, yeah, I'm good. Put me in. And that they did a half-ass examination to clear. I, it, it just It just feels weird, right, that she wasn't able to get cleared by anybody for all these years. And then she's at AEW for two weeks. And now suddenly... Oh, yeah, I'm good. I can wrestle. Yeah, but it, at the same time, look at what's happened in the last three years, two years. You know, WWE cleared Edge, cleared Daniel Bryan, cleared uh, Christian. If, if she was legitimately cleared, you know, and who's to say, like, she was coming to the end of her contract. Right. You know what I'm saying? So who's to say that she, you know, maybe I, we don't know the, the, the backstage circumstances. It's possible right. she could have gotten cleared because there really yeah. haven't been that much conversation out there on the on the dark web about it all. Um, that, I, that's what I've seen anyway, about whether or not she could have been legitimately cleared for WWE. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah. for all we know, Vince is going to been like, she's dead in the water. Um, she's just been, you know, sitting at home, you know, touring with her boyfriend and playing on Twitch, you know, so why do I want to bring her back? I'm not saying that's what I would say. Cause I love the lady. Right. I think, you know, I've met her many, many times. I, you know, you know, kind of many conversations with her. I thought she was, she's a fantastic woman. I even saw her as I, last time I saw her was last September at Blue Ridge Rock Fest here in, uh, or down in Virginia, uh, you know. Falling in Reverse was there, and she was there, obviously, watching Ronnie. So, you know, I got to talk to her a little bit there. So I don't think, you know, I would ever put that situation out there where she's like, oh, you know, eh, she's old news. Absolutely not. She was phenomenal when she beat AJ Lee on Raw. I marked out like a crazy person. I thought that was fantastic because yeah. she was one of my favorite mm -hmm. workers in NXT at the time. Um, so who knows? But I don't think that and she I, would put herself in that situation. I don't think she's that stupid. And I will just say, too, by the way, just so no one thinks that I'm operating with any level of bias. I, I think Soraya coming back and coming to AEW from an AEW standpoint is a bigger deal than CM Punk. Because AEW didn't need CM Punk when he God. came back. They didn't need him. A, CM Punk needed AEW. AEW did not need CM Punk. But I think... The state of the women's division, and not only the state of the women's division now, but the the decline of the women's division in the last three years. And the AEW women's division wasn't great to start with. No, it wasn't. And and over the last three years, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And it's got nothing to do with the talent. It's got everything to do with a swollen roster and poor booking. Um, and I think that maybe Soraya is the shockwave that the AEW women's division needed. Yep. Who knows what's going to happen from this point, but I, I think that it, AEW hasn't done a great job of building stars within that women's division. Britt Baker is the exception, not the rule. Um, So someone coming in in the women's division that already has star power, where AEW doesn't have to worry about building her up, they can just immediately put her into something and watch it be good, yeah. I, I think is good for, for AEW. So. Yeah, so... Here's my problem with the situation going on in AEW. Let's talk about the last six, eight months, okay, since Jeff Hardy debuted, okay? When Jeff Hardy debuted to, to save Matt, do you remember that episode? Do you remember what happened? Uh, Matt Hardy was getting beat down and Jeff Hardy came down the aisle and danced a little bit before yeah. he finally went in and saved his brother. Exactly. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let's rewind two or three weeks ago to AEW. Um, situation similar. Um, and then what's her name? I can't, again, not a big name, but was a former champion, came down and she did the exact same thing. She came out, waved. Hi, everybody. Let me go save this person now. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember her name. And that's the problem. There's so many people in AEW that they've been trying to build that I don't that that haven't made that impact. And I think people just cheer for the sake of cheering. Oh look, they're gonna get saved. Yeah. What was her name again? And then she waves. Hi everybody! And then runs to the ring. 
putting me in a hard spot, Derek. See my <laughs> see my point? I I so you you and I are on the same page because again, that's just one it's of not the wrestler's fault. Yeah, it's it's not the wrestler's fault that I don't know their names. It's completely the fault because here's the thing about AEW. You know, you've got the the exception to this rule, like Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Um, everyone knows who knew who they were coming in. But for ninety percent of the AEW roster when it started, the 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 viewing audience at home, the non hardcore audience was going to have no idea who most of these people are. Correct. So it, it's AEW's job at that point to build them up, and again, they have done a good job with several of them. MJF, Sammy Guevara. Yes. But then on on the flip side, there's still that moment of, hey, look, there's that guy that's been here for a year. What was his name again? Yeah. Or what was her name again? Exactly. And I, I catch a lot of flat from AEW fans. And I'm going to, this is based off of what you just said. AEW fans, and I'm talking about the hardcore ones, the ones that are fuck WWE and fuck you if you like WWE. Exactly. Right? Yep. And that's a large portion of AEW's viewing audience. It just is. There, there are, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say like, 30% of the AEW viewing audience is, hey, I enjoy AEW, but you know what? If you enjoy WWE, good on you, which is the 30% that I belong to. Yep. And then you've got the 70% that say Vince McMahon is fucking Hitler. The WWE booking never existed. If you, fuck you if you like WWE. And yep. for, for that 70% of the AEW viewing audience, they, will, they would cheer a potato if it rolled down the ramp to save... Soraya, because it's not WWE. Yep. And so AEW gets away with this a lot of the time because their live crowd is going to pop for anything. They do. And it's it's frustrating because I just want AEW to do a better job. I went viral on Twitter a couple of months ago because they just randomly announced that John Moxley was going to be wrestling some random guy named Mance Warner. And maybe you know who Mance Warner is. Nope. I don't. And, and everyone said, oh, if you would have watched the show, they told you on the night, okay, so I'm supposed to tune in on the night with the hope, the faith, that AEW are going to play a 30-second video package telling me who Mance Warner is. Yep. Why can't you play that video package three weeks before the show and then bring Mance Warner out to cut a promo to introduce and then have a warm-up match for Mance Warner? Now I know who Mance Warner is, and now I can watch, enjoyably, Moxley versus Warner. But you can't just throw it out there and expect me to just know who this guy is. And that's been AEW's biggest problem since they've opened. And I don't know what they do about it. I don't. I agree. I agree. You know, to be totally honest with you, I would love to spend a whole hour on this conversation. Um, because I don't think... Uh, here, here. What's great about AEW is what's great about AEW. And it makes it different from WWE. I'm not going to go into all the things that are great about AEW, okay? Because they do have a lot of great things about them. And I want to make that very, very clear. But what's bad about AEW does not get talked about enough. It's overlooked. But it's the exact opposite on the WWE side. What's great about what's going on with WWE doesn't get talked about enough. But when they do something wrong... God damn it, it's everywhere. Now let's talk about it. Exactly. And that's the that is my biggest criticism right now with the smart marks, the wrestling fans, the AEW diehards, the WWE diehards. Everything that's going on, 
it, it's it's it is like it's like fucking red and blue fucking politics right now. Just yep. Just enjoy the show, people. Let's just enjoy the show. So, with that being said, speaking of enjoying the show, new segment that we're going to start here every week on the show uh, that we're stealing from Mister Opinionist's old podcast and and his uh, Twitter account. Twitter account, his TikTok account is the five best things going on in wrestling. We're going to talk about that real quick, and then I want to talk about before to close up the show. I want to talk about that uh, that uh, wonderfully bad but fun to watch number one contenders match from last night. But we'll get into that. But first, yeah. the top five best things going on in wrestling today. That will not make my power five, uh, Derek, sir. That match is not <laughs> making my power five. But here's what is. Here's what is making my power five. Number five, Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn would be at number one, but he's been off TV for a couple of weeks. Obviously, he missed Crown Jewel because he, he can't go because Saudi Arabia sucks. Um, and then I don't know if he was just taking the week off this week. I don't know if it's a further part of the storyline. Personal but Sammy reasons. Zane, personal reasons, whatever that means. Sami Zayn, top five things going on in wrestling right now. Number four, we talked about the Austin Theory stuff, and, and that, that part of it sucks. But the double turn with Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. Absolutely love that they are switching the trends of Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. Yes. Because Seth Rollins, we can only cheer that guy and sing his song for so long before you have to admit this is just a good guy now. <laughs> yeah, right? I agree. There's a, there's a difference between a bad guy doing good guy stuff. But Seth Rollins has been doing babyface shit for the last two months. Yep. And no one wants to boo him. Let's just make him a babyface. Bobby Lashley, he was over there for a couple of weeks, but then as soon as he wrestled Brock Lesnar, no one wanted to hear it anymore. So now we need to switch him back to where he was. Yep. So the double turn between Rollins and Lashley, that's number four. Uh, number three. Number three. And you're going to disagree with this one, Derek, and that's fine. Bianca Belair. Because I love... <laughs> because I love Bianca Belair. And I love not only, not just Bianca Belair, but... The fact that she is like one of the centerpieces of this of this women's war games match. Um, the women's war games match looks like it's going to be really, really good. So if you if you want me to say it's just the women's war game situation on Raw, I will. There's a lot of interesting pieces in there. You got Alexa Bliss, who's hearing from Ray Wyatt. You got Bailey, who's now lost twice to Bianca. I don't think that story's quite over yet. And then you just got some really good know. wrestlers in there, like Dakota Kai and Asuka and and Io Shirai. So that's number three. Number two, number two, the Viking fucking Raiders. How metal, how hardcore, how cool, how intimidating are the new Viking Raiders? Like, blowing my, I don't know if you saw my TikTok on it. I, I posted I an image on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I it was just, I posted an image uh, from the end of the beatdown of Sarah Logan and the Viking Raiders shrouded in red light with Sarah Logan's face paint and the Viking Raiders looking badass. And I just said, look at this picture and tell me that's not cool. Yeah. So the, the Viking Raiders have been with WWE for what? Five years now ish. Yeah. And they have finally gotten it right. Hallelujah. They have finally captured the Viking Valhalla Ragnarok kind of, feeling that everyone loves about Vikings. That's why Assassin's Creed Valhalla was so successful. That's why there's a TV show about Vikings. People love that aspect of it. 
and they finally captured it. And number one, and he will remain number one until I, I say otherwise, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is the most interesting thing week over week. He gets the biggest pop week over week, and he hasn't even wrestled yet, which is fine with me because the best thing about Bray Wyatt has never been his in-ring work. Yeah. It's the story. It's the suspense. It's the character work. Yep. So that, that's that's my power five in a nutshell, Derek. What's, what, what say you about my power five? I actually agree with you for this week. Oh, Okay. Um, okay, well, the show's done. Have a good week, <laughs> No, I, I I agree. Um, I would like to add in a. Uh, <clears throat> um, mine would be slightly different, but I, I agree with yours because I mean it makes sense the way you did it. Um, I would add in a. Uh, I love what's going on with. With Judgment Day. Judgment Day just barely missed out. And I think it's just because they they took it they took a hit on Raw with Mia Yim coming back, which we didn't even talk about, by the way. Um, but the the Judgment Day, I would say, they went from being one of the worst things in WWE to one of the best. Correct. Um, and it's, so it's, I, been, it's been gradual. It's been it's been yep. a slow burn, which I like. Yep. yep. Um, and see, this is why you know our show is better because we're gonna like you know. Than, than, than Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray because, you know, they get three hours a day. We have to check. We have to take the best of the week and squeeze it into an hour because, you know, we're both dads and we both have lives. And if I do not finish in an hour, the four foot 11 lady upstairs is going to come downstairs and be like, listen here, get your ass. We got shit to do. Yeah, um, I want no part of that. Me neither. No part of that. She's scary. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think Judgment Day definitely deserves an honorable mention in there. And yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that we didn't talk about. Um, Mia Yim. Um, the fact that it was stupid that they took the, the championships off of EO and uh, Dakota Sky for a week. I mean, just Dakota Sky. Dakota, uh, and for a week, and then put them back on them in Saudi Arabia. Or yeah. the fact that... Uh, all of a sudden, now for some unknown reason, even though the whole um, him and uh, you know Killer Cross you know situation's not over yet and by a long shot, Drew was inserted into the WWE Championship last night. You know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but you yeah. know, there, there's only so much in time in an hour. But what um or or the fact that people are still bitching about Saudi Arabia, but nobody talks shit about the fact that UFC does business with Abu Dhabi, which is pretty much. You know the same thing as Saudi Arabia, but I digress. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I want to close out the last ten minutes of this show talking about the clusterfuck that was the women's championship number one contender last night for SmackDown. Yeah. What the hell was that? Yeah. Let me just let let me there. This is really hard for two guys to talk about, right? Because no matter how we talk about it or what reasons we give, there's going to be someone who calls us sexist. There's going to be someone who says that that you know we, we if it had, if it had been men, you wouldn't have said anything about it. Whatever. whatever. So I will before we go any further. I yeah. want to go ahead and let some let everybody know my favorite match from AEW, from WWE, NXT. New Japan, you name all the wrestling. Because I watch AEW every week. I watch right. it all. I do watch yeah, New too. Japan as well. I watch it all. My favorite match. Hell, my favorite top two matches 
from the last 10 years was, and let me just say this right now, I cried like a baby when Bailey beat Sasha at Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And then I did it again when the, uh, the, the Iron Woman match. Yeah. That first time women highlighted and main evented a WWE pay-per-view brought tears to my eyes. Freaking, you know, a Poison Rana off the top rope done by women. And then the belly to belly and the, the this oh, it still brings cheer, tears and chills to my spine. So for anyone out there that wants to say that I am... And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. Is the sexist thing? Absolutely not. But yeah. what we witnessed last night could have been better. Asuka and Bianca are two of my top five favorite wrestlers in the world right now. Bailey. Um, Bailey is probably top six right now. I Bailey in Bailey and Bianca in my house. My girlfriend doesn't get Asuka the same way I do. But my my girlfriend's probably two of her top five favorites are Bailey and Bianca. And Bailey's probably my top six. And women in wrestling, especially in the last eight years, are responsible for some of the most memorable moments and some of the best matches. I think about Sasha versus Bianca. I think about Charlotte versus Becky. I think about almost anything that Bailey does. I think about when when NXT was in its prime and had the women's division rolling. All of that stuff is great. That being said... Let me just let me just say it like this. With a women's match, with very few exceptions, the more women you get involved in one match, the more clustery it begins to get. Um and that is a valid point which I can't figure out. I, yeah, I don't know. Even to, WrestleMania 2019, the main event, Charlotte, Becky and Ronda, I can't help but feel like that match would have been a lot better if it had been just Becky versus Ronda or Becky versus Charlotte or Charlotte versus Ronda. Um, the, the women's money in the bank matches are always really messy here. Guys, listen, there are women out there who could kick my ass, right? There are women out there who could kick Derek's ass, but by and large, for the most part, women are just physiologically designed different than men. It's easier for Finn Balor to jump off of a barricade over the announce table and hit two people through a table than it is for Liv Morgan because her legs just aren't as strong. She can't jump as far. So when Liv tries to do that spot, she ends up making contact with Raquel's knees, knocking Raquel's head back into a table, and all three women just kind of collapse on the floor, and Michael Cole has to pretend like that's the way it was supposed to go. Women's matches... The more women you put in one match, the messier they get, which is why I would have much preferred if that six-pack challenge with the same six women had been a tournament instead of a six-pack challenge, I would have enjoyed it so much more. Because for whatever reason you want to throw out there, women's matches, the more people are involved, the messier it gets. And as such, there was a lot of questionable spots. There was a lot of spots that made me wonder if someone was going to get hurt. There was a lot of spots that when they went up to do it, I said, oh my God, please don't. Don't do this. No, seriously, I'm not being a mark right now. Please don't. Someone's going to get hurt. And again, 
some of it has to do with with just physiological physical stuff when most women can't do especially wrestlers can't do a lot of things that the men wrestlers can do and my last point derek and i'm gonna turn it over to you just again for the people who are gonna look me up and see my pictures and how fat i am and say why why you guys say that you you wouldn't be able to do that yeah but here's the thing i'm not a wrestler i haven't been trained these women have been trained and they should know better but for whatever reason when they get into these matches with more than two women they start doing these spots that just don't make sense or they try and do the same spots that the men do and they're just not physically capable of doing it and then you get spots like we saw last night so so that's there that's my explanation i'm gonna stop now because there's i I can see the pitchforks and all that getting so i'm just going to turn it over to you so i'm gonna let you take all the heat on that Um, (laughs) (laughs) i'll be the face this week um so back in the day um when i was training with dory funk jr um, Alexis Lurie had just left to go to um, Dory Funk's dojo and went to OVW. And I had just, you know, I had briefly met, talked to her a couple times. And for anyone that doesn't know who Alexis Lurie is, that is Mickey James back in the day. Um, and she... was a, a a woman apart from everything else. Same thing with Lita and a bunch of other women, you know, that I've seen. Um, but then you have women like Kelly Kelly or 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 every other person like that out there. Um that are not athletic. Um, and there's a, there's the same thing with men. You have the athletic men and then the non-athletic men. And when you put either one in a wrestling match, you're going to see a difference. Okay. You're going to see, wow, that guy cannot work or he is super athletic and, you know, and why can't he work? You know, my biggest thing right now is there's somebody in this wrestling world that should not be in the wrestling world, and that is Jade Cargill. Take her out of the fucking ring and get a goddamn belt off of her. What the hell? That woman is probably the... She is more athletically inclined than every woman in wrestling with maybe tying Bianca Belair. Okay? I don't like Bianca Belair for totally different reasons. It's not her work rate. It's not her athletic ability. Jade Cargill, on the other hand, is a massively athletic, strong woman that can that can't work and probably will never be able to work, and she needs to go. And there's a lot of men in that same category. However, here's where the problem comes in. There are more men in wrestling than there are women. That is a fact. Okay. Yeah. Just just math. Yeah. That's math. So the problem is there are really, really good wrestling women that can do what the men can do. One hundred percent there are women that can do what men can do. Raquel, yep. um, then you got Shayna, 
You've got, uh, you know, Asuka. You've got even Bailey can do, and especially my girl Rhea. Oh, um, <laughs> you have a lot of women that can do what men can do. But then you also have stuff that women, you know, women can't do what the men can do. And that's fine, too. Because right. even though they can't do what the men can do, they can still outwork a lot of the men. Straight yep. up. Okay? The problem comes into play is if you have one woman that can do what men can do. Okay? You need to have them doing that. And not the other way around. If that spot was going to go over as planned last night, and sh even though it makes no sense, and I wouldn't have booked it this way, Raquel should have been the one jumping from one poise to another through somebody through the table. If Raquel would have done it, it would have worked fine. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. Liv yep. just shouldn't have been doing I'm that spot, period. If we were going to do a spot like that, Liv should have gone back up to the top rope and repeated the same thing we've seen a bunch of times. I would have been okay right. with that, okay? Or maybe something a little bit different. But that spot, it's – and I don't even think it's, like, so much as Liv being a woman. I just think it was just being a short person should have never been making that yeah. leap. Small in, small in stature. Legs aren't as strong as they probably could be. Yeah. Right? It, it It's not that she's a woman, but – it also kind of is, and that's where it gets sort of messy because, like you said, there are women out there. That I wouldn't want to come across Jade Cargill in a dark alley. I wouldn't want to Hell piss her no. off. But don't the, take her out Bianca, of the ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and Liv is is a little bit different because she's shown that she can have good matches. She's got some in ring skill. She's she's trained to be a wrestler. She's not trained to be an athlete. They just happen to be a wrestler, right? Yeah. Um. So maybe last night was was one in a million, but the fact of the matter is, if that had been a men's six pack challenge, that spot probably wouldn't have went down like it did. Um, no, but it, I hope it, that they would mathematically. Have, yeah. To be honest with you, I don't even think Ray Mysterio could have made that jump. Right, and that's the truth. You've got to book matches for their strengths. And I don't think yeah. that black match was booked for its strength last night at all. Yeah. The only person and I guess that that's looked good was uh, yeah. what's what's her name? Um, I can't even think of her name. Uh, the, the 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 chick that just came that, that had a baby, military. Yeah, uh, Lacey Evans. Thank you, Lacey Evans. Who, yeah. who, by the way, if you're gonna have. If you're going to book a match, see, this is just goes against everything, too. Why do we have uh, Lacey take the pin on Veterans Day? Yeah, that that got lost a little bit. I, I thought about that, but yeah, that anyone that else should have taken the pin. That's just, yeah. and, and Shotzi's not ready yet either, but that's 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 a conversation for another day. I think right if it was. A mid card pay per view, like maybe Hell in a Cell, or which would it's probably never going to be back around again, or another one of those types of you know, you know, extreme rules. I don't think she's ready for Survivor Series, one of the big four, right? 
But that's, yeah. But I just think that match could have been booked better. Because, in my opinion, Liv Morgan is probably one of the best workers out there today. Her work rate inside that ring is phenomenal. And what she has overcome and taken and at her side, she is the Rey Mysterio of women right now. And she has just done so much. And I think that they could have done her better last night. Whether it was, um, isn't J.B. Noble booking for women right now? I don't know. Whoever decided that spot. Uh, I believe he has a hand in it, yeah. I'm not sure if it's him or (laughs) if it was Liv's idea. If it was Liv's idea, come on, girl. Let's let's think about that. And Um, listen, it could have been called in the moment. It could have been called in the moment. They're allowed to do that. Especially now with Vince being gone and, and things aren't as heavily scripted as they used to be. It could have been called in the moment. But someone, again, you got to. We were talking about injuries a little bit ago. You got to protect the performer from themselves. And some somebody just after this match, someone needs to go to live and say, "Hey, look, if you're going to do this spot again in future, here's how you need to do it." Or, "Hey, listen, I know that you're really trying out there and you're awesome. Don't do this spot again." Yeah. <laughs> don't don't do this spot yeah, again. It, because it, it, it comes work. down to, you know, kind of what you said, but I'm not gonna go the you know, I'm not gonna say exactly like you said it because I think it's just it, it's just different. Um regardless of male, female, there's limits to what they can do inside that ring. And you need to book right. to the strengths of that. And I'll say it again, that did not happen in that match last night. Right. It did not happen in that match last night. Um, Raquel Gonzalez could have been, or excuse me, Rodriguez, um, could have been seriously hurt. Um, Liv could have gotten seriously hurt. Um, yep. And, you know, the whole, um, it, it just, it, it, yeah. It could have been better. It could have been better. It could have been better. That's all I'm really going to say. And one final and, thing. And my, my final. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Your final thought first. I was going to say literally my final thought on the subject, and then we can end the show and move on and do whatever you want to do. For those for those that are saying this could have happened in a men's match, absolutely, absolutely it could have. Hell yeah. And if it had, if it had been Braun Strowman attempting that kind of jump and almost gotten somebody hurt, I would have said the exact same thing. Someone needs to go up to Braun and tell him don't do that spot again because his body just can't do it. Yep, I agree. I agree. It, there's physical, physiological, there's chemical, there's hormones, there's, you know, and that goes for both men and women. There are certain spots people should not do, and those, whatever, those three people should not have been involved in that spot last night the way it was designed. Um, right. Bottom line. But my final thought on this subject is this. And it has nothing to do with the match, but yet it does at the same time. For as long as I can remember... WWE has booked this exact same thing repeatedly, and my girlfriend even laughed at me when I brought it up last night because she knew it was true when I said it. Why the fuck is it always the person that sets up the te- the, the the table, the one that goes through it? I knew you were going to say that. Why? Can we stop that, please? Because I because when it set when Raquel set it up, I said, "Hey, babe, watch. She's going to be the one who goes through it." She goes, "How do I? How do you know that?" I go, "They whoever sets it up goes through it, 
And then she, and then when it, the botch happened, she goes, "That wasn't supposed to happen, was it?" I go, "No, it was not." <laughs> nope. Like, like she should be through the table right now. And she goes, "Yeah." But can we stop that that booking philosophy? I would love for a someone to set up the table, and then put that per, put their opponent through the table as intended. Yeah. And for I would yeah. like, you know, like, wow, that's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that is what it yeah. is I, i'm not talking about no, no I, I said the same thing when 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 raquel set that table up i was like oh she's fucked yep <laughs> she, raquel's not gonna win because she's going through that damn table but anyway i again <laughs> you know i, I just think again it, it, that match could have been better um and i don't think shotzi's yeah. ready yet shotzi is the fucking future do not get me wrong but i I I think she needs about another year. I'm on a I'm in a wait and see mode with Shotzi. I, I think she's I, gonna be the future. I think she is next. I, yeah, I, really I, I I'm in a wait and see with Shotzi. I don't see it. I don't feel it. Um, she's gonna be a heel. I don't really get it to be completely honest. I don't I don't really get her character, but um, I, I'm willing to wait and see. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. That's that's all I can really say about her. I agree. I agree. But um. If you have any complaints at all about what Jada said tonight, hit him up on TikTok at Infamous Opinionist. He <laughs> loves hate comments. Um... <laughs> you can say whatever you want as long as you say it the right say way. Say it politely and, and you won't and get if, Listen, if, if you want the um, – if you like the privilege to privately message me, just got to follow me. <laughs> exactly. But – um. <laughs> we will definitely be back again next week with a whole slew of more shit. Um, some good stuff is happening on SmackDown next week. Hopefully, Raw will be better this week. And uh, who knows? Maybe AEW will be good and we'll talk hopefully about Lynn that. Morgan doesn't break her fucking neck. Yeah, and hopefully uh, <laughs> AEW is a, is a good show. We'll talk about that next week. But you know what? We talk about the what we want to talk yep. about, when we want to talk about it, and it's all organic, so deal with it. But for myself, DH Awesome, Derek. And my lovely tag me partner, infamous opinionist Jade. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see y'all next Sunday. Have a good one, guys. See you later, guys.